Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. And I'm trying out a new mic today, guys, so give me some feedback, let me know. I've played around with the settings, tried to figure this out, read the directions as much as I could, not that there were that many directions, really just a bunch of pictures, but we have invested in some new equipment, some new mics here to try to make the listening experience here for you guys even better. I think it sounds great, but that's on my end. I don't know what it's going to sound like once we load it up on the actual different platforms out there, so... So just let me know if you guys are having any issues, but again, as far as I can tell on my end, it looks great, but I just want to put that out there in case once we upload things on your end, it sounds like all out of whack. So just a heads up there. But as for the show today, guys, it's just me today. Curtis is still on his very much deserved vacation after finishing up the bar exam last week. Uh, That took a lot out of him. He texted me when he got out of the, it's two days, we got out of the first day and he was like, yeah, I'm retaking in February. Obviously, a little tongue-in-cheek there. I hope he does have to retake in February, but it beat him up pretty bad. I know he's obviously been working hard for the last three years in law school, so very much deserved vacation. But what I have found out this week about Curtis is that he is officially, like officially one of those guys, and I'm sure all of you have someone like this in your circle, in your life. He's one of those guys that just can't help himself. He sends you a ton of pictures from his vacation spot, just reminding you that he is on vacation and you are not. So that's been a lot of fun for me the past couple of days. But no, in all seriousness, I am very happy for him. I hope he's having the time of his life because again, he has earned it for sure. No questions about that. And he will be back. I don't know if he ever wants to come back, but he will be back with me for the last show of the week, which brings me to my next point. It's August, guys. It's August. We have officially entered the stretch run to the college football season. We actually have football. We have actual college football this month. So what that means, as far as this podcast goes, is that you're going to be getting more content from us, which I think is a good thing. I hope that's a good thing for you guys. You're going to be getting at least three episodes a week between Glory UGA and Never Graduate, which you have been for the last two weeks, I want to say anyway, but it's probably going to be more like four episodes a week for the next month leading up to the kickoff of the 2022 college football season. This will be one of those weeks. At least that's the plan right now, unless something crazy happens. 
But Curtis, he is on vacation right now, still for a couple more days. Charlie, who I have to give her some credit here, the star of the podcast, she's been on the show for the last three weeks, three weeks in a row, but she couldn't quite make it a month. She's also a little bit out of pocket this week. So to open the week, you've got me. I've got a couple of Scouting the Enemy episodes for you guys. I figured this would be a good time to go ahead and get some of these out of the way, get these out to you guys. I know we got a little bit of a late start on these episodes this series this summer because I was on vacation for a a week and a half or so. So I'm going to be churning out a bunch of these episodes over the next couple of weeks. It's like we only have four-ish weeks, four-ish weeks to get all these episodes out and we've made it through two so far. We did Oregon, we did South Carolina. So this week, I've got Missouri, and then later on, the middle of the week, I'm going to have the Auburn edition of the Sky and the Enemy series for you guys as well. And then again, Curtis will be back later in the week for Friday's episode to preview the start of fall camp, which is music to my ears, guys. It truly is. And we're going to be breaking down all of the major position battles that will play out over the course of fall camp. So a lot of great content coming your way here over the next couple of weeks. So seriously, guys, just to help yourself out, do yourself a favor here. If you are not already subscribed to the podcast, wherever it is that you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Music, whether it's Spotify, wherever, go ahead and just click that subscribe button right now. Do it right now. Help yourself out so that every single episode will be sent directly to you. Get a notification every time we upload a new episode because, again, we're going to have a lot of content being churned out here over the next couple of weeks, and I don't want you guys to miss any of it. I want you guys to be as prepared, more prepared than anyone else in your life for the start of the 2022 college football season. That is our mission. That's what we're here to do, and subscribing to the podcast just makes that easier for you. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about really getting started in the season here. It's a grind. Don't get me wrong. It's a grind, but it's a grind that I love. It's a labor of love. We do a lot of work during the season to get this content out for you guys, but I love every single second of it because it's college football. It's Georgia football. What's not to love? So I'm excited about it, but that's not the only thing that has me excited right now. I promise you we will get to the Missouri preview here in just a minute or two. But it has been a summer of good news on the Glory UJ podcast. We've signed a new contract in the past month or two that's going to allow us to continue to bring you guys our brand of Georgia sports coverage. Charlie is back for the 2022 football season. Very excited about that. And yes, we've also started a brand new national college football podcast, which I hope you've all checked out. But if you haven't, it's called Never Graduate. Having a lot of fun doing that, just kind of talking the broader college football scene. So we've had a lot of great stuff going on in the past month or two. But the good news keeps on flowing here on the Glory UGA podcast as we are very excited, very excited to announce that our partnership with our very good friends at Alumni Hall is not only going to continue this football season, but we are taking that partnership to the next level. As I just said a minute ago, it's August, guys. The count down to kickoff is officially on and the fine people at Alumni Hall are running a countdown to kickoff promotion exclusively for you guys, for listeners of the Glory UGA podcast. There are 34 days, 34 days until kickoff. So from today, August 1st, all the way to kickoff on September 3rd, Alumni Hall is going to give you an exclusive chance to save 15% on all purchases, both in-store and online. All you have to do is use the promo code GLORYUGA, no spaces there, GLORYUGA, no spaces, use that code at checkout, and if you're in store, just tell them, hey, I I listen to GLORYUGA, and they'll give you the 15% discount right there on all purchases, and look guys, 
I've been bragging on you. I've been bragging on you guys, our listeners, how diehard you are, and really just the Georgia fan base in general. I've been telling my friends at Alumni Hall that there is no fan base like the Georgia fan base. I believe that, but I want to make believers out of them. I've told them that no fan base is as engaged, as passionate, and as proud to rep their team as the Georgia fan base. So help prove me right. Show the people at Alumni Hall what the Georgia fan base is all about. And oh yeah, in the process, save yourself some money while you're at it. It's a no-brainer. You know that you've got to get some new gear to get ready for the 2022 season. You aren't new to this game. You know how this works. That's what diehard fans do. That's what we do. I know I personally cannot help myself. It's Christmas in August every single year for me. And Alumni Hall has long been my go-to store for Georgia gear, even before this partnership. This isn't a situation where, okay, the Glory UGA podcast is partnered with Alumni Hall, so now I'm going to start hawking all their gear. No, that's not how this went down. I have been a long-time patron of Alumni Hall. In fact, this entire partnership was born out of my, I'm just going to be honest with you, my addiction to Alumni Hall. If I'm going anywhere near Alumni Hall, if I'm going to Home Depot, if I'm going to Walmart, if I'm going to University 16 to catch a movie, I truly cannot help myself. I have to go into Alumni Hall, and then once I walk through those doors, I cannot leave without buying something. It's a problem. I know. I recognize that, but I guess it's a good problem to have because I am very, very proud of all of my Georgia gear. In fact, Charlie said this many times. That's all that I wear. If you looked at my closet, I'll probably take some pictures. I I should do that. I should take some pictures of my closet to show you guys evidence, proof of what Alumni Hall has done to my closet. Or I should say what Alumni Hall has done for my closet because the fact is, guys, Alumni Hall has hands down the best selection of Georgia gear. I think anywhere in the world. I mean, that's as far as I know. I I mean, I'm a connoisseur of Georgia gear and I've been a lot of different places in search of, of different kinds of Georgia gear. And I have never come across anyone that can even touch Alumni Hall. Of course, they've got all the Nike sideline gear. They've got Peter Millar, which I know a ton of people love. They've got Johnny O, which if you guys aren't familiar with Johnny O, they're kind of new to the college licensing game, but Johnny O is very similar to Peter Millar. I happen to like it better than Peter Millar. I'm very into Johnny O. I got into them last year, and I'm very excited to go actually pick up some more Johnny O gear here tomorrow. So check Johnny O out, guys. If you haven't, great stuff. Cutter and Buck, and a lot of people love Cutter and Buck. Whatever you like, whatever brand you are loyal to, trust me, they've got it at Alumni Hall. And if you are follically challenged like me, you've got to have a hat for game day Saturdays. That's not optional. Because if you don't have your hat, you got to kind of hold, you guys know what I'm talking about. You've got to kind of hold your head at a weird angle in the shower for a couple of days so the water doesn't hit the head because it's going to burn, it's going to hurt. And Alumni Hall has always had me covered there with their massive hat wall. And if you've never been inside Alumni Hall, it's hard to even describe. It's this massive wall of just hats. I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's a hat wall. But again, they have hats that you won't find anywhere else. They have this incredible college vault throwback Nike golf hat collection. It's a performance stuff, dry fit, which um, if there's anything, if there's one thing that I'm most addicted to at Alumni Hall, it is the Nike golf hat collection. I've got, oh man, I don't know. I've lost count now. I've got at least 12-ish Nike golf hats and they're all throwback stuff. I guess I have some that are just the Power G, but I have the Block G. I've got the old school bulldog, the old, old school bulldog. He's holding the flag in his mouth. 
I've got the throwback helmet, you name it, I've got it. Because I have to have some that are especially for running, some that are for tennis, some that are for actual game days so that they don't smell terrible. But I literally cannot find those hats anywhere else. And look, guys, like I said, I put my money where my mouth is. I'm actually going to be making an alumni hall run myself right after work today to take advantage of this 15% off promo. And I am very excited about it. It's like Christmas Eve for me right now. I know tomorrow I'm going to Alumni Hall and I'm going to come home with some presents. And I am like a 12-year-old child just giddy with excitement about it. And I will definitely make sure to share some pics on social media of the gear that I do pick up tomorrow. And I'm sure I'll make a couple more trips back here over the next couple of weeks. And I want you guys to do the same on social media. Make sure you're following us at glory underscore UGA. Also, you can find the Glory UGA podcast on Instagram. Post pics of all the new gear that you get from Alumni Hall and make sure to tag us as well. We'll retweet that stuff for you guys. And uh, we want to see, we want to see which one of you can outdo me. Which one of you is going to buy the most gear from Alumni Hall over the next month as we count down to kickoff of the 2022 football season? But don't forget, promo code GLORYUGA, no spaces, and you will get 15% off. It's easy online. If you're in store, I know it might be easy to forget, but just tell them when you go to check out, hey, I got the Glory UGA promo. Just tell them you listen to the show and they will give you that 15% off in store as well. But all right, guys, you want to talk some football? You want to do this? Let's do it. Let's talk the Missouri Tigers. Now, I know when you look at the 2022 Georgia football schedule, Missouri is not one of those games that jumps out at you. It does to me, but not because of necessarily the matchup. I just love this trip. I uh, am very excited about going back to a non-COVID restricted Columbia, Missouri, because as I've said many times in the show, I'll say again for the people who are newer to the show and have not heard me say this, Columbia, Missouri is my favorite college town in the SEC to go to. I know it's very popular for people in the SEC East to say, oh my God, Missouri, like get them out of the East. Shouldn't they be in the West? Get them out of the SEC entirely. And, I, and I'm always one of the people, the few people like, no, 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 keep Missouri in the East because I love making that trip every other year. And I know that's just me. That's just my personal selfish view on it. But I love this trip. It's a really cool city. There's nothing like it in the SEC because it's a Midwestern town. I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's not an SEC town. And when people say that, I will agree. But to me, that's part of the charm. We go to a lot of old school, deep South college towns. Do that a lot. Those are great too. But it's just a cool experience to go to Columbia, Missouri, which, and it's honestly the the college town that I, of all the ones that I've been to, it's the one that I would say is closest to the feel of Athens. Now, clearly it doesn't have the, the bars per capita that Athens has. No college town does. But it's got the closest vibe to Athens that I've been able to come across. Beautiful campus, great for running, which is something that I'm weird and I like to do. So I'm excited about it. But I know that when you guys look at the schedule, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, I guess we got to play Missouri, whatever. No one really pays attention to it. And I get that because this Missouri team was not good last year. I mean, they they were not even, I guess they were average by definition. They had a 6-6 six and six regular season, ended up 6-7 and seven with a loss to Army in their bowl game. And it's been a struggle for head coach Eli Drinkwitz since coming over. Now, you got to give him a little bit of a break. It was, it was difficult for any head coach during the 2020 season, that COVID year with all the restrictions, the chaos that COVID raw all over the country, all over the world, we know that. But to take over a new program in the midst of a COVID outbreak, in, a, in the midst of a pandemic, 
that was a very, very tall task. And it didn't really go particularly well in year one for Eli Drinkwitz. Last year was, I guess, a step in the right direction. Obviously, getting to 6-6 six and six and making a bowl game, not performing all that well in that bowl game, and losing a game they shouldn't have lost. But it, I guess, was a step in the right direction. So the question this year for Missouri is, can they take that next step, whatever that next step might be? Can they get to seven wins? Can they get to eight wins in the SEC? And I'm going to do this episode a little bit differently than how I've done our scouting the enemy episodes in the past. I want to try something different for you guys. Typically what I've just done in the past is, okay, we're going to take the offense and we're going to go just deep dive into the offense. Then we'll take the defense, deep dive into the defense. They'll kind of wrap things up at the end. And I'm totally cool doing that, but I thought we might try something a little bit different here today. And so what I have is a series of burning questions for the Missouri Tigers this season. I think this will be a, a, a little bit more of a comprehensive way to approach these Scout and the Enemy episodes and allow me to kind of give you the storylines outside of just the raw numbers and the personnel. So my first burning question for the Missouri Tigers is this. Will Nuzu pay dividends this year? Now, when I say Nuzu, most of you out there are probably like, Tyler, are you okay? Like, what are you even saying? Well, Nuzu is their rebranding effort. That's Eli Drinkwitz's effort to rebrand this football program. So when he came in in 2020, he started this hashtag new zoo thing where, and all, all programs do something like this, right? Where they brand a specific recruiting class. We've done that almost every single year, but this is a little bit different. This is like a program rebrand for Eli Drinkwitz. So he's calling it new zoo. It's not one specific class. It's just this new program that he is trying to bring forth. And you know what? They've actually, by Missouri standards, recruited extraordinarily well. Eli Drinkwitz has signed two of the three best recruiting classes in program history and done it in back-to-back seasons, with this 2022 class being the best class in the history of the Missouri football program, at least in terms of the modern recruiting era. But of course, that is all relative. They finished 15th in the recruiting rankings, the 247 composite rankings. And you might say, well, 15th, like who cares? Well, Missouri fans care because for them, again, it's all relative. For them, that's really good. That's the best finish in program history. And I I know when you look at Eli Drinkwitz, you're like, how? How is this guy putting together these kinds of recruiting classes? But trust me on this, guys. Do not let that nerdy look deceive you. That dude has charisma. I've watched a couple of coaching clinics with him, and that dude's got it, man. Like He's got the goods when it comes to charisma. And some of you might have seen a little bit of that side of him this past week. I know the Tennessee violations were made public, at least the, uh, the notice of allegations was made public. And he, I forget who was interviewing. He was being interviewed by somebody out there. And if I remember correctly, I don't even think he was directly asked about Tennessee. I think they were talking about like his wins and his first two seasons at Missouri. And he's like, you know what? I think we're about to have a couple more wins. Obviously, he was referencing Tennessee, probably going to have to vacate a couple years worth of wins with Jeremy, when Jeremy Pruitt was their head coach. And then he made a comment again about Jeremy Pruitt's wife. I know you guys have probably already seen this, but in case you haven't, one of the allegations out there is that Jeremy Pruitt had his wife also making illicit payments to players while he was their head coach. And so Drinkwitz obviously made light of that. So he's got some character, guys. Like He is a character. He's got a lot of charisma. And he's put that to work out there on the recruiting front. And he has had a lot of success, again, relative to how Missouri typically recruits. And so this 2022 class is highlighted by a guy named Luther Burden, which I'm sure most of you are probably familiar with because 
We thought we had this guy. I think missing out on Burden and having him go to Missouri might have been one of the final straws when it came to Cortez Hankton's wide receiver recruiting. And we've talked about this plenty of times on the show. There's a lot of reasons why we struggle to recruit high-level receivers on an annual basis. But Hankton did just struggle to really, really, like we would get in the top group for these top guys and we would just never be able to close the door, at least not often enough. And Luther Burden was one of those examples. And he's he's a dude, man. Like he was the number three prospect overall, not the number three receiver in the 2022 class, the number three overall prospect. So he obviously headlines this uh, 2022 Missouri class. And then you also got four-star quarterback Sam Horn from Georgia, from Collins Hill, who's actually not going to be playing baseball. There's some thought that he might go pro if he was drafted high enough, but he did not get drafted in the first 10 rounds. So it looks like he is going to be going to Columbia and he'll be playing football for the Missouri Tigers. So all in, they landed one five-star in Luther Burden and eight four-stars, six players total inside the top 247. And this represents immediate improvement over the Barry Odom era, especially in state. You know, in state, the state of Missouri is not a traditional power when it comes to producing elite football talent, but they have been producing more talent lately than they have in, in really at any point in the state's history. But Barry Odom's staff only was able to sign two of 22 four and five star prospects from that state over four years, which is 9%. Eli Drinkwitz has signed five of 12 four or five star prospects from the state of Missouri over the last two years, which is not even 50%. It's at 42%, but that's still a significant improvement over the previous staff that only was landing those guys at a less than 10% rate. So what I would, when I look at Missouri, what I would kind of say about them is that in a lot of ways, they're Texas A&M light right now. And I say light because they're not recruiting at that level. They're not recruiting at a top 10, top five, top three, number one level. They're not doing that. And they're not going to do that. 15 is probably about as good as it's going to get for Missouri. But it's still kind of the same broad outline for the Missouri program as you're kind of seeing with Texas A&M. Neither program has had a ton of success historically. They have some pretty passionate fans. Obviously, Texas A&M, we know that. Missouri is a smaller state, doesn't have the overall fan base. Stadium's not as big. But those fans, guys, go in there several times. Now, I've been there every year since 2012. Every time that we played there, I've been there. And those fans care. Now, the stadium's not always full, but the fans are passionate. They actually love their college basketball. They're huge into basketball, but they care about football. They've just kind of been beaten down over the past five, six, seven years because they've just been bad. And they had that whole scandal, which really, really hurt the program. But neither program, AM or Missouri, has really had a ton of success historically on the national and college football landscape. They've kind of been an afterthought, if, if you really want to put it bluntly. But they have a new coach, new investment in the program, new branding, new recruiting success, which is giving hope for the future of these two programs. Again, not the same level of AM, but the same process, same trend, right? And like AM, they have no obvious answer at quarterback. We'll get to that here in just a second. And also like AM, it might be a year or two. Yes, two great recruiting classes. Obviously, it's relative again. AM, the number one class, maybe the greatest class in the history of recruiting classes. Missouri, for their standards, the best class in their program's history. But it might be a year or two for the improved recruiting for both of those schools to pay major dividends because there's just so much inexperience. The best players are the youngest guys. And I'm sure some of those guys will make impacts, but can you expect all of them to do that that early? That's a bit of a stretch. So it might not be this year, but give them a year or two. If they continue to recruit at this level, 
then you're going to see some improvement in this Missouri program, just like you're going to see continued improvement in the Texas A&M program as well. But my next burning question here, I kind of just previewed it. Will Eli Drinkwitz finally find his quarterback? I believe in Eli Drinkwitz as an offensive mind, guys. I really do. If you go back and look at his track record, whether he was at Boise State, whether he was a coordinator at NC State, Appalachian State as the head coach, he has produced consistently good offenses, and his offenses consistently improve. When he takes over, they improve year after year after year. The issue for Drinkwitz at Missouri has been the quarterback position. He has not found his guy yet. He thought, and we thought, I thought, it was going to be Connor Bazelet. He did not start the 2020 season, but he came in really in the Tennessee game in 2020, and he kind of took the job there from Sean Robinson, and he was the guy the rest of the year, ended up becoming the SEC co-offensive freshman of the year back in 2020. I expected Connor Bazelet to take a nice step forward last year. That didn't really happen. Some people out there in the preseason are calling it a regression, saying that Bazelet regressed last year. I don't see it so much as a regression as I do it just being a lack of progression. He kind of just flatlined. You know, in 2020, he averaged 7.3 yards per attempt, 236 yards a game, seven touchdowns to six picks on the year, 72.5 total QBR. Fast forward to last year, 231 yards a game, so five yards less a game. I guess technically a regression, but come on, guys, we're splitting hairs there. Uh, let's see, he had 16 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, so very similar, like very much on the same track as he was as a freshman. Total QBR did take a dip down to 63.1 last year. But I mean, he wasn't terrible. He wasn't good. He was what he was as a freshman. He just kind of was the same guy. Did not improve at all. And they kind of got tired of that. The coaching staff did. The fans kind of quit on him. And so late in the year, when he got to the bowl game, it was Brady Cook, the backup quarterback, who actually started against us. He was the guy that got the nod to start the game against Army in their bowl game. And he ended up with two starts in the year. He's 6'2", 200 pounds. He only averaged 5.9 yards per attempt himself, two touchdowns and no interceptions. He's more mobile than Bazelak was. I don't want to call Bazelak a statue, but he's certainly more of a statue than Brady Cook was. So when Connor Bazelak saw what happened in the bowl game and him kind of getting passed up there and cooking in the start, he kind of saw the writing on the wall there and he decided to transfer out. He is now at Indiana where he is projected to be the starting quarterback for the Indiana Hoosiers. So who does that leave for Drinkwitz to work with this year? Brady Cook, he's back. So you would think he's the projected starter. And that's, that is what most people around the Missouri program project to be the case. But there's also a guy named Tyler Macon who also got some playing time against us last year. He is a true running threat at quarterback. I hesitate to call him a true dual threat because when you say dual threat, people just think, okay, that means he runs. But to me, to be a dual threat, you have to also be able to pose a threat with your arm as well. Macon struggles in the passing game. He only completed 53% of his passes last year. Now, obviously a very small sample size, but 53%, that's not going to get it done. But he is a dynamic runner at the quarterback position. And that is something that Drinkwitz puts a premium on. He really does value a quarterback that can run the football because he'll try to work in some option in their game. Like they, he actually, I've seen a couple coaching clinics with him. And one of the things he's talked about in every single one of them is like, I like to have option football in my office. I want the quarterback to be able to run, to pull it out. Maybe not as a feature part of what we do, but I like to have that in my back pocket. And Brady Cook gives them that to a degree more than Bazelik. Tyler Macon obviously gives them even more of that. But the wild card here is the guy I mentioned a few minutes ago when we were talking about their recruiting. 
And that's Sam Horn. A lot of you who pay attention to Georgia high school football are probably very familiar with that name. He was a prep star at Collins Hill in Gwinnett County. He actually led the Eagles to their very first state title in program history last year. Him and Travis Hunter kind of tag teamed that one. Uh, he's, a, he's a big dude, 6'4", 190, was a big-time baseball player. Again, there was some thought that he might get drafted and, and take that money and never actually enroll at Missouri, but he did not get drafted in the first 10 rounds. And Everything I'm hearing is that he is indeed going to play football for Missouri. He's going to play football and baseball for them. But it's, it's, I'll go back to my comparison with A&M, calling them A&M light. It, he's like Connor Wigman light, right? So like Connor Wigman is the guy, the five-star prospect that A&M landed and he's seen as the, the quarterback of the future. Like Jimbo's, that's the answer for them. They haven't really had the, the, the full-on answer at quarterback, but it's going to be Wegman. It's just a matter of when. I kind of see Sam Horn in the same light. He is almost certainly the long-term answer for Eli Drinkwitz at quarterback. I think he is going to be his guy long-term. But like Wegman at AM, is he ready to be that guy right off the bat? I don't know the answer to that. Typically, I would say no. More often than not, no matter how highly rated you are coming out of high school, it's very difficult to be the, that guy right off the bat. So I would lean towards saying no to open the season, but I'm certainly open to the idea that you know by the middle of the year, if they're not having a ton of success, that Sam Horn gets a look, gets an opportunity to start a game, and we'll see what he does if he gets that opportunity. But I do believe he is the long-term answer, but in terms of answering my, my burning question, will Drinkwitz find his quarterback this year? I don't know. I don't think this is the year. I think this is still a transition year. I think it would be Sam Horn, but I don't think that will really come to fruition until maybe 2023, 2024, a couple years down the road. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. The next question the Tigers have to answer, I think, is another huge one. Does Missouri have an answer for the loss of running back Tyler Beatty? Now, the only time you watched Missouri was when they played us between the hedges last year. Man, you missed out. You missed out on one of the best running backs in the entire country. He didn't get a lot of publicity because he played for a 6-6 six and six football team. He played for Missouri. But he was truly one of the best offensive players in the entire country. He was a 1,600-yard rusher, throwing an extra 330 yards in the pass game. So he was essentially... A 2,000-yard guy, total yards guy, without even playing the bowl game. And he wanted to play the bowl game. They basically, The coaches sat him down and said, we're not allowing you to play the bowl game. 
So if he would have played that game, he would have gone over 2,000 total yards. He would have. This guy had five games in which he went over 200 yards rushing last year. I mean, he bulked up and he was a dude last year. He was always kind of like a role player for them. Remember, it was Larry Roundtree that was the feature back for, for years, like three years. It was Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty who kind of sprinkled in there as, as their version of James Cook. Well, Beatty bulked up, got bigger, stronger, more able to run between the tackles and run with more power, and he became a different guy. He was an absolute problem with outside zone, and that's the feature run play in the Eli Drinkwitz offense, and he ran that to perfection. He was physical, fast, shifty, great vision, great hands, truly was the total package, and I loved watching him play, and I mean, he had not a ton of success against us, but relative to the rest of the running backs that we played, I mean, I think he had nine carries for 41 yards, so a little over four yards a carry. Didn't get many looks, but when he ran the football, he had a decent amount of success against us, but he was their workhorse last year, guys. He got over 75% of their carries. He accounted for 70% of their rushing yards. No other running back had more than 162 yards on the year. This guy went for over 1,600. He had 18 touchdowns. The rest of the team combined for 23 total touchdowns between rushing touchdowns and receiving touchdowns. So the short answer to the question of does Missouri have an answer for the loss of Tyler Beatty, the short answer is no, they don't. They're just not going to have one guy that's going to be Tyler Beatty. It's probably going to be a committee approach to open the season. They have a couple of returners, Elijah Young, B.J. Harris, Michael Cox, none of which actually did much of anything last year because they didn't get a ton of opportunities. But in their small sample size of playing time, they didn't really stand out. It's going to be kind of a committee approach there and see if somebody kind of takes the bull by the horns. Now go back to their top recruiting class here or for Missouri, their top recruiting class in program history. Tavares Jones was a top 15 back, number 170 overall in the 247 composite. He was a four-star guy. He's going to get some opportunities, you have to imagine. They also have a transfer coming in from Stanford, Nathaniel Pete, but this guy didn't really ever stand out at Stanford. I think his best year, a little over 400 yards rushing, and that was last year. But he's another guy that has some power five level experience, so get an opportunity as well. But I just don't think they have one guy this year that is going to even come close to touching the production of Tyler Beatty. It's going to be by committee to open the season. We'll see if one of those guys rises to the top and becomes their workhorse because that's what Eli Drinkwitz traditionally likes to have. He wants to have a guy, whether it's Tyler Beatty, whether it's Larry Roundtree, he wants to have a feature running back that gets the lion's share of the carry to get them all lathered up and feed him the football. And I just don't know coming to the season who that guy is going to be. And that brings me to my next question. So without Beatty and without an obvious answer at running back to replace him, does the Missouri offense have a chance to even be competent this year? And my answer to that would be, uh, TBD, maybe, possibly, we'll see. Like I told you guys, I think Eli Drinkwitz is a very good offensive coach. I have a lot of respect for him. His offense is very well schemed. It's very well conceived. He does a great job with constraint plays. It's a really outside zone RPO heavy offense, but he does a really good job of scheming it up. And again, like I said, they like to throw option at you as well. So it's a multiple offense. They'll do some different things and, and they'll try to get your eyes in the wrong spot. They, he actually loves trick plays. He'll throw a trick play or two at a team every single game. But a lot of the answer to this question hinges on the quarterback. I mean, honestly, like if they're going to be competent offensively, it hinges on the quarterback. That was the issue for them last year. Tyler Beatty was incredible. I mean, and I don't use that word lightly. He was incredible. 
They just had major issues at the quarterback position. So if they can find an answer there, if Brady Cook takes a big step forward, if Sam Horn is, you know, all of a sudden the guy off the bat and they're ready to roll with him, maybe. But I don't know. I just don't know if that's going to be the case. But if they can find an answer at quarterback, this offense, not only could it be competent, it could be more than competent because I do have a lot of belief in Eli Drinkwitz as an offensive mind. And they do have some interesting options at receiver. Uh, the expectation is that true freshman Luther Burden is going to start right away. A uh, big part of that is obviously because he's just that good, the number three player overall in the country. And receiver is a position where you can come in traditionally and make more of an impact. It's not as physical of a spot. You can go out there and just learn a couple of routes and you can still make an impact. So he's going to play. He's going to play a lot early on. That's also going to help them in recruiting. It'll be like proof of concept. Hey, we recruit these guys and we play you as true freshmen. Look at the production he's going to put out there on the field. And that's going to help in recruiting and and just keep this recruiting train going for Eli Drinkwitz. But it's not just Luther Burden. Toski Dove is a guy that I think has some potential. He's their leading receiver from last year. He comes back this year. He had 38 catches for 576 yards, 6'2", 200 pounds. He's a senior. Hasn't been a guy that I would categorize as a go-to receiver, even though he led them receiving last year. It was almost by default. But he has some skills. This guy can play a little bit. And I think if he has a better quarterback, a more consistent quarterback, that he could be a guy that could push, you know, 700, 800 yards receiving. And you also got Mookie Cooper, who they expect, I expected more from last year. You know, I know Jamison Williams was the headline transfer from Ohio State last year at the receiver position going to Alabama, and he had a huge year for the Crimson Tide. Well, Mookie Cooper did not get as much attention because he did not go to Alabama and he did not put up the numbers that Jamison Williams did. But he was also a wide receiver transfer from Ohio State. He went to Missouri, only had 17 catches for 194 yards last year. He's a smaller, shiftier guy, but I would expect him in year two, again, with some improved quarterback play, to make more of an impact this year. You've also got Barrett Bannister, who is a slot guy, a, a true prototypical slot receiver who's back again this year. So there are some weapons for whoever wins that quarterback job to work with. Again, I just think a lot of it's going to hinge on the quarterback. Can the Missouri offense take another step? Can they be good? Can they be better than last year? It really depends on the quarterback position, especially when you don't have Tyler Bay to lean on this year. They're going to need more from whoever wins that job. I think it's probably going to be Brady Cook, but whoever ends up starting the season, they need more from that position. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And then finally, my last burning question for this Missouri Tiger football team is very simple Can the Missouri defense be? not terrible. And I say that a little bit tongue in cheek. Can they be not terrible? But not really because they were flat out terrible. That's the perfect word to describe what this Missouri defense was last year. They were terrible. They were abysmal. They were atrocious, dreadful, 
They were lousy. They were garbage. Whatever adjective along those lines that you want to throw out there, they were that. I mean, just listen to some of these numbers, guys. So these are Missouri's defensive stats from last year. Scoring defense, they gave up almost 34 points per game, which was 112th nationally. They were 112th nationally in points per play. They were 105th nationally in total defense, giving up 435 yards per game. They were 111th nationally in yards per play allowed, giving up 6.4 yards per play. So every two plays, teams were getting first downs on average against them, guys. That's how bad they were. They were 121st nationally in rush defense. They were one of the worst. Honestly, guys, all year long, they were one of the, if not the worst, rushing defenses in Power 5. They gave up 228 yards per game on the ground. They gave up 5.3 yards per rush. Passing defense was better. They were 30th national, giving up 207 yards per game. But that was really a function of the fact that teams just realized they could run the ball down their throat at will. So why even try to throw the ball if you could just run it down their throat? Because yards per attempt was, again, terrible. 106 national yards per attempt allowed, 8.2 yards per attempt. They were 103rd nationally in QB rating against. They were 57th nationally in completion percentage against. They were 101st nationally in explosive pass rate. They were terrible. I mean, just to add a little more context to the rushing numbers, they gave up over 200 yards rushing seven times last year. So more than half the games they played, they gave up 200 yards or more rushing to their opponents. They gave up over 250 yards rushing six times, and they gave up over 340 yards rushing twice on the year. That's how bad they were trying to stop the run. So, I mean, seriously, guys, Can they just be not terrible? I think that's the standard for the Missouri defense this year. Like, really, that's the standard for them. The Steve Wilkes experiment failed spectacularly. So if you guys remember Steve Wilkes, if you follow the NFL at all, I believe it was the Arizona Cardinals he used to be the head coach of. And uh, he got let go from the Cardinals and then somehow ended up in Columbia, Missouri as the defensive coordinator for the Tigers last year. And yeah, that was a spectacular failure. So Eli Drinkwitz is now on his fourth defensive coordinator in four years, going back to his time at Appalachian State. This year, this time around, it's Blake Baker who's coming over most recently from LSU. He was a linebacker coach at LSU last year was previously the defensive coordinator at Miami under Manny Diaz. So like Manny Diaz, if you look back at his track record, he features a more attacking style defense, a more aggressive defense. And this Missouri defense, I will give them a little bit of credit here. It's all relative, but they did show some late season improvement. And now they get a defensive coordinator with actual college experience calling defenses. So I do expect them to make some improvement this year against the run and against the pass and all aspects of playing defensive football. And they do have a couple of building blocks to at least start with here and trying to rebuild this defense. I, I would say coming to the season, there's two strengths here with this Missouri defense. Defensive end and safety. Defensive end, they have some guys with some promising talent. Isaiah McGuire and, and Trajan Jeffcoat. Neither one of those guys were dominant really at any point last year, but they also both showed promise at times. They combined for nine and a half sacks, which is nothing really to get all that excited about. But again, it's just when you watch them play, you watch them, you say, okay, yeah, I can see the talent there. I can see you being potentially down the road that you can be more than what you are right now. So I think that's a really nice building block for them. You also add in North Carolina transfer Tyron Hopper there at that position. Going back to their recruiting class, DJ Westlick was a fringe top 50 recruit that plays defensive end as well. So I think that will be a strength for them, rushing the passer from that, that edge position. They also get both safeties back, Martez Manuel and Jalen Carlis. They're both upperclassmen veterans. So that's another building block for them. Devin Nicholson, an inside linebacker, was... 
I guess I would say he was okay. He was good at times and then completely out of position at times, which was kind of par for the course of the entire defense last year. But he's at least a guy that comes back with some experience. They lose Blaze Aldridge, who was a lot like Devin Nicholson. He was really good at times, but then a liability at times because he was just kind of freelancing a little too much and out of position and missing run fits. But he's gone. And so Devin Nicholson is the returner at inside linebacker. But they lose their top three defensive tackles. Their top two cornerbacks are gone. A guy named Ennis Rakestraw, which is another name you might remember from a couple years ago in recruiting. He, he jumped onto the scene late. I want to say it was the 2021 recruiting class. And we were kind of in the picture. We threw out a late offer. I don't know if it was a, a committable offer, but we threw out a late offer. But a lot of people thought he was going to Alabama. But Missouri beat him out. And you guys might have seen the video that the uh, Missouri... I guess social media team put out there. Eli Drinkwitz, when he got the call from Rickestraw that he was coming to Missouri, like went crazy in there in their coaches' offices and running down the hall screaming at the top of his lungs. He tore his ACL last year. He played a good bit and tore his ACL. He should be back healthy to start the season. That's the expectation. He'll slot into one of those spots, but is he ready to be an elite level corner? That certainly remains to be seen. But at the end of the day, I do think they have some pieces to build off of. And they will be better this year almost by default because they were just that bad last year. They were just really poorly coached last year, guys. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. They were poorly coached. I'm not sitting here saying they had elite level talent up and down that defensive depth chart, but they had enough talent to not be as bad as they were. They were just very poorly coached. And I do expect Blake Baker with his experience as a coordinator at Miami to be able to come in and just clean up some of those self-inflicted mistakes, self-inflicted wounds that really, really killed them last year. And then to wrap this whole thing up, put a nice little bow on it, from a matchup standpoint, obviously there's a lot of time between now and the first week in October when we go to Columbia to play Missouri. But from a matchup standpoint, I do again expect Missouri to be better against the run this year, almost by default, but they're still going to be fighting an uphill battle from a personnel standpoint. We should, we should be able to establish our ground game without much of an issue in this game. I love what we have coming back on the offensive line. I think we're going to be better on the offensive line than we were last year. So what Missouri is going to do if we're able to establish our run game, look, they're going to come in, they're going to load the box like everyone does against us. That's going to happen. And I have to imagine, especially if you go back and look at Blake Baker's track record as a defensive coordinator back in Miami, I imagine that they're going to get very aggressive trying to create negative plays to get us off schedule offensively. Stetson, I, I know a lot of you still don't believe in Stetson, and that's fine. That's your prerogative. Stetson was very good against the Blitz last year. We'll be able to, I, I believe, eat them alive in man coverage when they try to get aggressive like that. Stetson's mobility also helps out there being able to extend plays and elude the rush better than some of our previous quarterbacks aka Jake Fromm was able to do so I don't really have a ton of concerns about our offense going up against that defense I've said many times throughout the offseason I expect this to be the best Georgia offense in the history of our program and this Missouri defense while they'll be better than they were last year I mean they have a long long way to go so from a matchup standpoint offensively we should be able to do pretty much whatever we want as long as we just don't start to turn the ball over inexplicably offensively I honestly don't even know exactly what to expect from this team I know it's an Eli Drinkwitz offense there's gonna be a lot of outside zone there's gonna be a lot of RPOs but I don't know if they're gonna run the ball as much as they did last year because they don't have a Tyler Beatty at running back do they have a quarterback that's ready to pick up that slack that they feel comfortable enough putting the ball in his hands more consistently throwing the football down the field I'm sure that they will try to attack whoever wins that field corner spot opposite Keely Ringo. They're not going to attack Keely all that often, I wouldn't imagine. And so whoever that guy ends up being needs to be ready in this game, but that's not going to be 
anything different than anyone else is going to do to us. Like from game one, that's going to happen against Oregon. They're going to do that. So by the time we roll into Columbia, Missouri, whoever that guy is is going to have some reps under his belt, a lot of reps under his belt, games under his belt. And you like to think our defense, which is going to be young and experienced, you like to feel like our defense is going to have more confidence. Those guys that might be thinking a little too much early in the season, their first major playing time are going to be just reacting and just playing more and not thinking through things as much and just playing with their hair on fire. So I do feel pretty good about that. And I, I really don't know how the Missouri offensive line is going to be able to handle our defensive front. I know what we're losing on the defensive line. Trust me, guys, I do. But we're also bringing back Jalen Carter. Zion Logue, I'm very high on. Warren Brinson gives us some explosiveness and twitchiness on the interior of the defensive line. I'm really excited about Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. I'm really excited about Michael Williams. We have some dudes that have just been waiting their turn on the defensive line. And I just don't think the Missouri offensive line is going to be able to handle our front seven. And if they cannot establish the run game, which they weren't even able to do last year with Tyler Beatty, why would we expect them to be able to do that this year? If they cannot establish the run game and they have to rely on a drop back pass game, we're going to be able to pin our ears back and make life a living hell for whoever it is back there at quarterback, much like we were able to do last season against Missouri at home. But all right, guys, that does it for me today here on the Glory UGA podcast. Thank you guys for being here today. Again, we have a lot of great content for you guys the rest of the week. So if you haven't already, go ahead, click that subscribe button right now so you can get all that content sent directly to you. And make sure to take advantage of Alumni Hall's countdown to kickoff. The promo code is GloryUGA, no spaces. You get 15% off all purchases. So go ahead and gear up for the 2022 college ball season, guys, because it is just around the corner. I'm Tyler. I'll be back in the middle of the week with our Auburn preview. Curtis will be back with me at the end of the week to preview fall camp by taking a look at all of the major position battles that will be decided over the course of the next month. So thanks again, guys. Always appreciate you. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>